Here we go. Welcome to the Not Sunday School Podcast. This weekly podcast is a new spin on traditional Sunday school for people either too tired, too lazy, or just with too many kids to try to make it up to the church in time. We want to reach our community with the gospel of God's kingdom by going further than our own church doors will allow. On this podcast, we hope to dig just a little deeper into various subjects than what we're really able to do during a weekly service. Wow. I seriously can't believe we're interviewing John Walton on Tuesday. Like, what the what? I know. That's <laughs> so cool. Uh, I told some of my friends here. I tried not to. I tried not to be that guy. But eventually they were like, you have a podcast, right? And I was like, yeah, we're interviewing John Walton on Tuesday. They were like, what? I was like, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I awesome. feel like I'm meeting like a celebrity. I know. Like, and I feel a little dorky for feeling that way, but at the same time. Me too. <laughs> I don't it's even care. Awesome. I would do the same thing if it was like N.T. Wright. I've heard like people will walk up to him at SBO and get their picture with him. Like, mm, I would be that guy, I think. I would totally be that guy. So I finally finished. I finished it actually a couple hours ago. The Bible as it was, that big giant book I was reading. Oh, Yeah. Um, I finally finished it. It was awesome. Great read. Hilarious. <clears throat> um, but then I have another book here that I've already started that I'm about halfway through that I'm going to finish real quick. And then I'm going to tackle Eberle because I know how much you love him and I'm really excited to dive into his systematic. Yeah. That, that's cool. If If you are in any way somewhat open to a an open theist um, or a supernatural, or let me say a charismatic, not supernatural, but a charismatic um, expression, he won't bother you at all. Um, <coughs> I don't anticipate point, bothering me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Bible as it was. Yeah, you can borrow Google. my copy if you want. Yeah, Google. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there it is. Excellent. Yeah, so, okay, I'm gonna. So, go ahead. You like Kenneth Bailey, right? Uh, yeah, that's the dude that did Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and Paul through Mediterranean eyes. Yep. He has a you uh, a, a video series on YouTube, and it's all about really? women in the church. It is. Ooh so freaking good and it is very comprehensive i mean you know you know the way bailey teaches it's kind of a fire hydrant yeah. of information can I'm you email me a link to that yes yes i'll actually do it right now that'd be awesome but i just listened to it over the past couple of days um taking a break from the heavy content of rise and fall of <laughs> yeah dude i wasn't you normally normally i binge things but something yeah. about this man is really heavy it's to hard me. it's hard to it's, binge yeah and then like getting on his website and seeing him and his wife still active and not yeah it's crazy repentant of anything just kind of oh, just no. and that church has no it. members like That's wild. like i mean it has like there's no such thing as membership at that church that he's at now there's yeah. no other leadership structure in place it's just him that's it. That, and he also has like a security team that follows him everywhere. That's weird. Yeah. 
if you're interested, I can point you to some blogs that follow the Driscoll story. It's horrifying. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. Yeah. It, you know what's funny, though, is some yeah. of his ideas, especially early on, I share with him. They're Brilliant. great. Yeah, that's what horrifies me. Yes, that's... <laughs> you're taking the like, words out of my mouth. I, I know. I'm like, am I a baby Driscoll? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. The the first after the first or second episode I listened I just sat there and cried for a minute. Mm-hmm. Just because of like the reality of being out of true accountability mm-hmm. and just giving oneself over to just that arrogant spirit, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anyways. Mm. So you know how I've told you I think there's a charismatic revival coming in the Church of Christ? I believe that, man. Well, well, I, you know, I've told you that before. There's a sermon from Pepperdine from whenever mm-hmm. I was out there that I re-listened to on the way here. And I think it's going to be one of those things that we look back on and reflect and be like, yep, that was a moment in our brotherhood that defined us and changed the direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so are you hearing some, some like chatter about that? within the church of Christ um, or is this just a feeling you're having a little of both. I mean, you know, there's no official chatter anywhere because we're so, I don't know, non-denom or whatever, but so there, there's the two strands, right? You have the quote conservative and the quote liberal strands. And then the conservative strands, I think we're going to see they're, they're going to bottom out and die. They're already dying. Um, mm-hmm. I think the more progressive churches, which we would be categorized as one of those are going to be the ones experiencing a charismatic revival. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're seeing just like, because we have so underemphasized the role of the Holy spirit in our churches to the point that some of them, those ones that are already dying would teach that the Holy spirit isn't a person, that it is only alive insofar as the written word and that's it. Wow. Um, which is horrifying. Like I went to a church growing up where that was taught, or at least one of the elders believed that strongly, um, which is heresy. I mean, plain and simple. Um, but I think in some of these more progressive churches, they are, of course, emphasizing the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I don't think they're going to an opposite extreme or anything, but I, I mean, I think, I think the Spirit's like, Finally, and he's like ready to have his fun with with us. Do you? No, let me ask it this way: Does the Church of Christ embrace supernatural experiences of any kind? They may not, not word it that way. Not usually, but I mean, I think they're coming to. What is as mystical as common doctrine gets within the Church of Christ? Well, say that again. What is the most mystical doctrine within the church of, or teaching within the church of Christ? That's a great question. So like some, <sighs> some traditions. Oh, you don't know. So you, know. some traditions would not say they believe in prophecy, but they would believe I mean, that God gave me a message to speak on Sunday morning which is the essence of a prophetic word. 
Yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. It's impossible to say, Oh, this is what we believe because we are a ridiculously diverse group. There's a church of Christ that is open and affirming of LGBTQ. There's a church of Christ movement that thinks that it's wrong to have a kitchen attached to the church building and is very adamant about that. There's yet another group that says you can't support the children's home as a church. You have to do it as individuals. And if you dare collect money, then you're just becoming the Catholic church. And I mean, mm. you have that. And then you have these, like these churches that are these big, they're basically Christian churches, just general evangelical churches that are just taking over the city in great ways for Jesus that are church of Christ. And then you have these, like, I, I don't know. So like, that's so hard to describe. So for example, if I got up at the church that I grew up going to and preached a sermon and I said, that was a message given to me by God. And if I even used the word prophecy, there would be some that would say, yeah. And there would be some that would say no. And that would just be the reality. Mm. So I don't, I don't know. In general, we have had an overly rational stance, of course. I mean, we were extremely mm -hmm. influenced by like Scottish Enlightenment realism, um, like John Locke and mm -hmm. Bacon, and there's another one, some dude in Glasgow that one of our founders spent forever with. Um, anyway, but I mean, just ridiculously rational. Um, to the extreme. And so again, I think the spirit is kind of making headway. So like, for example, the sermon that I'm talking about, he started his sermon by saying, can we just breathe for a minute and let us in a breathing, like he's a spiritual director and he led us in a moment. And then his, <coughs> the you point see of the that sermon in was, like charismatic conferences and churches and stuff like too. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And um, he's a leader at a very influential church of Christ out in Malibu. And he, Ben said, what if, he said, I want you to consider something. And the whole sermon was kind of about this. It was from a text in Second Corinthians. We said, I want you to consider what if hell is not for the sinners, but it's for the unimaginative. Hmm. And he said, it's because of those who have lost their imagination. Those are the ones who fall into what we typically call sin. And then he went through this whole thing about the glorious God that is transforming us from glory to glory, like Moses coming down off the mountain. And he says mm -hmm. over and over, he would say things. And then he'd look at us and say, could you imagine that? Mm. I mean, it was just extremely powerful. I mean, see, that's interesting was, because in um, a lot of within the charismatic circles, um, traditions, the imagination is seen, not all, but at least the ones that I run in, <laughs> uh, the imagination is seen as that faculty of the being that translates the supernatural into the natural. Mm. It is that sense that we have that is that go between between what we sense in the supernatural because we we have not discovered the tools of measurement for this the, the other than natural the beyond natural realm or realities so the imagination yeah. acts as that translator and 
anyways, that's that's very interesting. That's cool. That's no different than charismatic doctrine. That's what I'm saying. Like that yeah. sermon, I was like, I feel like these things that I kept saying, like, I think there's a charismatic revival coming in Church of Christ. And I thought, no, I'm just making crap up. And then I heard that and I was like, nope, it's happening. Like, it's happening. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. What do y'all do with scriptures regarding uh, the term baptism of the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Depends on who they mean. Um, progressives are having conversations about it. Um, so I, we are having conversations about it with our charismatic friends. Um, mm-hmm. And we have charismatic friends because we don't think we're the only ones going to heaven like some of the other churches of Christ do. Do you um, think there's a modern application of that experience today? Yeah, I do. Have you ever experienced it? I have not. How would you define that experience? Mm-hmm. Are you okay with me probing a little bit? I'm sorry. I'm really interested. <laughs> no, you're fine. I appreciate it. it it's challenging. Um, here's my shot. Baptism of the Holy Spirit would be, well, I guess if I go by this definition that I have had that, a moment of transcendence, a moment of energy and power, and yet also calmness and Mm -hmm. peace, where God is doing something in you that words can attempt to describe, but won't completely describe, but that God is whether he's saying something to you or he's doing something in you or with you or through you or revealing something to you, but God and you are having a special moment similar to how Hannah and I, in our relationship had special moments that I then can look back on and be like that. Mm. It's a defining moment where beyond rationalization or logic or anything That was God communicating his realness to me, to my being. Yes. So is that that a good charismatic answer? uh, Dude, that is exactly it was. So, Oh my gosh, I am becoming a charismatic. (laughs) I would say you definitely are. (laughs) I want a card. So can I, can I define a couple terms real quick? Please do. Okay. So, Pentecostal refers to the early 1900s um, movement that was experiencing and um, developing doctrine around ecstatic supernatural experiences. Yeah, like the Azusa revivals. The Azusa Street and in Kansas City that predates Azusa Street. Kansas City Prophets. Yeah. Kansas, well, the Kansas City Prophets was a later thing that people called a, a group of men, Mike Bickle and Lou Engle and um, Bob Jones, and there were some other people okay. around there, right? You, Bob Jones. So back in the early 1900s, I think around 19, around the same time as the Welsh Revival. Have you heard of that? Um, no. Okay, it's it's another big Pentecostal um, <coughs> a moment okay. in history. And it's actually very well documented, by the way, through um, okay. newspapers and secular media of the day, 1904, okay. 1905, in uh, Wales. Interesting. Um, almost the oh, entirety okay. so of Wales. International. Came, yeah, yeah. This happened in the Welsh revival. 
Okay, uh, Welsh. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Almost the entire, uh, almost all of Wales gave their life to Jesus. Bars shut down and became churches. Um, miners uh, change, were getting saved, changed their speech, became more gentle, and the donkeys stopped pulling carts because the donkeys didn't understand the new language. They were used to beatings and cursing. Mm. This is documented. Very mm. cool. Uh, and it, so there wasn't a lot of the like the tongues, and even though there was healings and some bizarre manifestations. Well, in like I think 1906. Um, in Kansas City, some carryover from the Welsh revival, but there was very bizarre manifestations. Tongues started coming out, and there was no theology for that prior to. It was a suddenly moment. So all of that was the beginnings of Pentecostalism, especially in America. Now, in the 1970s, fast forward, like through the, the Jesus movement, you've heard of that term? Right. Okay. So with the Jesus movement, there became a charismatic renewal. That's the term that we call it now. You know, late 60s, early 70s, the Jesus movement. Um, well, in that time, people within mainline and more fundamental, not fundamentals, but uh, more conservative denominations were having charismatic or supernatural experiences that likened that of the Pentecostal churches. And by that time, you have multiple Pentecostal denominations, right? Mm -hmm. Like the apostolic so the outbreaks, of God. even in places like Catholicism, Methodism. Yes. Presbyterians, Orthodox, Catholics, yeah. um, Episcopal, Episcopalians, Baptists, yeah, Methodists, all of, all of them. But the Pentecostals were super excited about this and said, yay, they're all going to come to our churches now. No, mm. what was happening was the Presbyterians were saying this baptism in the Holy Spirit makes me a better Presbyterian, makes me a better Catholic, mm. makes me a better mm. Baptist. And yeah. so they didn't want to identify with some of the, okay, so you had this dichotomy forming, Pentecostals and Charismatics. The term Charismatic was coined because they didn't want to identify with some of the doctrines of the Pentecostals. Because right. people experiencing this are coming from traditions that didn't kick out the teachers. You had higher education. Pentecostals, um, it, it was this kind of folk movement that took place because they weren't allowed into the major universities. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Azusa Street started with a black man who had the very mm -hmm. first integrated church. And the, one of the only churches that accepted women as pastors and teachers mm -hmm. and elders, right? So the charismatics was, have led the way in some of that. Yeah, recently. So there's a difference in the terms charismatic and Pentecostal. The charismatic usually comes from a mainline tradition of some kind, like what you're mm -hmm. seeing in the Church of Christ. Mm -hmm. Even though you guys don't call so yourself, is it right to call it a? Right. Well, oh, we're undenominational. Um, <clears throat> so, am I right in calling it a charismatic renewal then in the Church of Christ? Most, well, yeah, most definitely. I mean, you you would be right in calling it a Pentecostal renewal, but if you call it Pentecostal, you're kind of identifying, or people may misunderstand it as running the risk of yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Charismatic 
meaning it comes from a more mainline denomination or a uh, a denomination. But anyways, just yeah. all of that saying that it it it's it seems to be the way the Lord is still working. Um, and I see a lot of, not, not totally there's cause there's a lot of, see, Jesus is maturing his church, right? Mm. But within Pentecostalism, there has been a lot of kind of stagnation around. Here's our set doctrines. Here's our set truths. And if you disagree, you're a heretic, you're out. Whereas within charismatic traditions, um, there's still the um, emphasis on that teacher gifting, being educated, having, um, uh, or uh, what's the word? Um, Deliberating your theology a little bit more. There seems to be more of an openness to refining our understanding of scripture and the Lord. Mm. which I think mm. is a good thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, we've had too much of that. You know, I've told you this, like <clears throat> we need more exuberance because we don't have any, we have no passion. Um, yeah. Okay. So like even my teacher that's teaching this class, advanced intro to old Testament, he, I'm pretty sure he is an open theist. I'm pretty sure he's a progressive revelation guy. And yeah, I would, I would say he's definitely in both those camps. Mm. That's, um, that's so exciting, man. That's really it cool. Is. I mean, I would say, yeah. It, so, so like he's, he's teaching class and he's coming from this extremely critical perspective, right? So like he's got a PhD in old Testament. He's very well studied. And there's one kid in particular that's sitting next to me that I know despises this teacher because of, some of the things he says. So like, for example, he's like, yeah, I mean, it looks like Moses didn't write the Pentateuch. Like the Bible itself doesn't claim that. And, you know, like he's going through some of these really critical things. And then we go to a chapel and we're singing and he's like raising his hands and he's like getting into it. And I'm like, Mm. I love this man. That's cool. Like it's very cool. Or he's like, yeah, Job's probably not a historical figure, you know? And some people are like, (laughs) and I'm like, whatever. But then he's like, I I don't know. It just, it's, it's interesting to me to see some of, some of preconceived ideas just being knocked to the ground. Yeah. It's just, it's wonderful. Did you hear that loud thud just now? I did. What was that? (laughs) That was my son running into the wall. (laughs) Into the wall? He was not looking and just walking and discovered there was a wall in front of him. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, by the way, do you do you think I could use some of this conversation in a in a podcast post? Can I? This can I edit this yeah, this conversation. I love this. You mean like the uh, like the charismatic stuff? The charismatic stuff. I'd edit all the other stuff out. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay, thank you. Awesome. I haven't Has posted this recording it. this whole time. Yeah, and I just realized that it was recording, and then I had the thought. I was like, oh man, this is great podcast. Another sidebar. Another sidebar. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Not Sunday School podcast. If you want to send in a question so we can try to answer it during one of our episodes, you can submit them to notsundayschoolpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send the voice recording. If you want to know as soon as our weekly episodes drop, then be sure to follow us on Spotify 
or wherever you listen to your podcast. Yeah, and smash the notification bell too.